There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to a History of Europe Key Battles podcast. This is the Seven Years' War of 1756 to 1763, part one. In late August 1756, the 29th to be exact, a large blue-coated Prussian invasion force crossed their frontier into the neighbouring German state of Saxony. They marched in three columns. On the right were about 15,000 men, on the left were 18,000 men, and in the centre was King Frederick II, commanding a corps of 30,000 troops. Frederick had earned himself the sobriquet, the Great, eight years previously, after the conclusion of the War of the Austrian Succession, 1740-48. to He had made a great impression across Europe with his superb tactical skills and his army was famous for its discipline and excellent organisation. However, although the conquests of Silesia had been successful militarily, his unprovoked attack had caused great resentment across Europe especially to the Habsburg Queen Maria Theresa in Vienna, who vowed to one day recover her lost province. The invasion of Saxony, on the surface, appeared in a similar vein, an unprovoked attack which triggered another major conflict. But was Frederick justified in his action? To consider this question, we should go back eight years. The Treaty of aix la chapelle of October 1748, which ended the War of the Austrian Succession, had done nothing to assuage the anger of Austria over the loss of Silesia. Nor had it been able to contain the conflicting colonial ambitions of France and Britain in North America, the Caribbean and India. These were to prove the major drivers for continuing instability. The Seven Years' War, which began with Prussia's invasion of Saxony in 1756, is sometimes seen as actually two separate conflicts. The Americans call it the French and Indian War, while Germans generally refer to the Third Silesian War. The previous two Silesian Wars, both taking place during the War of the Austrian Succession. Since this is a history of Europe, I will focus on the Silesian conflict, but also reference the main points of the wider colonial conflict.
as well as Prussia, the other rising power of the continent was Russia. After a period of internal instability after the death of Peter the Great, the Russians made improvements to their military and had more manpower available than any other European state. Of the less successful states of the previous half-century, Poland, which was dynastically merged with Saxony, had effectively become a satellite state of the Russians. The Swedes had been unable to bounce back from their disaster at the Battle of Poltava, and the Turks never fully recovered from their defeat before the wars of Vienna and the subsequent loss of some of their Balkan territory. The Dutch were in slow decline and did their best to avoid any conflict. The King of Spain, Ferdinand VI, was of a peaceful nature, and after repeated setbacks in his kingdom over the last century, wanted, understandably, to focus on domestic matters. He settled differences with Austria and Italy, and worked for compromise with Britain, so dropped demands for the return of Gibraltar and Menorca, and disbanded the Guadalcasters, who had created tensions in the Caribbean of the British. As for France, it can be argued that the decline and fall of the Bourbon monarchy started seriously with Louis XV's growing loss of credibility after 1748 and the Treaty of aix la chapelle in which the French made no gains after a bruising war. Anthony Upton writes in his book on Europe 1600 to 1789 that, quote, the king never had a serious political strategy beyond his basic belief that it was his duty to safeguard the power of the monarchy. It did not help that he was a shy, retiring personality, and his only regular public appearances outside the court rituals at Versailles were for his passionate pursuit of the hunt. It was unfair because he was, in fact, a hard-working, conscientious administrator. End quote. Louis and his ministers needed to bring public debt under control, and so proposed a new tax, the Vontiem, which would be a 5% property tax, and justified on the grounds that it would be socially equitable. But there was massive public protest from the privileged elites and the clergy. As for foreign affairs, Louis XV focused less on Europe, instead favouring the building up of naval power to try and compete with Britain overseas. At the same time, relations between Britain and Austria were fraying. Some of Maria Theresa's advisers in Vienna were critical of Britain for not helping as much as they would have liked. And they considered their dependence on Britain during the War of Austrian Succession as demeaning. London, too, believed it had good reason to complain about its Austrian ally, who, despite its subsidies, had given little in return. Nevertheless, the British felt they needed an ally on the continent to protect the electorate of Hanover, whose ruler was also King of England, George II, and the Dutch were no longer able or willing to take on that role as they used to. The most vociferous critic in Vienna of Austria's relationship with Britain was Count Kaunitz, who argued strongly that the British would never support the recovery of Silesia, and so advocated a closer relationship with France, to try and wean them away from their alliance with Prussia. Maria Theresa was interested in the idea, and appointed Kaunitz first as an ambassador in Versailles for three years and afterwards as Chancellor of State. But for now she decided to maintain good relations with the British. 
In the meantime, she instigated a series of reforms with the aim of expanding the revenue base of the state to support a larger standing army. By 1756, Vienna had an army approaching some 200,000 men. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of the Austrian reforms were inspired by Prussia, where Frederick II was also busy building up his own military. By the year 1756, he had assembled a large war chest and an army of some 140,000. Diplomatically, however, Frederick was largely isolated, except for a loose alliance with France. Distrusted by the other powers, or they poorly informed diplomatic service. Fully aware of Austrian ambitions to recover Silesia, he reached out for possible cooperation with the British. In Westminster, the administration was led by the Whig Party. The Duke of Newcastle directed foreign affairs, and his brother, Henry Pelham, managed the treasury. Their aim after 1748 was to keep the peace and to recover financially, and reduce the national debt. After Pelham died in 1754, the government came under pressure from opposition politicians, notably William Pitt the Elder, who favoured an aggressive imperial policy. There were by now approaching two million British settlers in the colonies of North America. French Canada had only about 6,000. To give them some security in the face of such a difference in numbers, the French tried to restrict British expansion along the lines of the Allegheny Mountains, part of the Appalachian Range. Tensions centred around the formation of the Ohio Land Company by the colonies of Virginia and Pennsylvania, which encouraged British traders to establish trading posts in land considered by the French to be in their sphere of influence. The French established Fort Duquesne on the site of a modern-day Pittsburgh in the disputed territory. In the year 1755, the British government submitted to political pressure and agreed to send regular troops to America, backing them up with a naval blockade to prevent any further French reinforcements reaching Canada. At first, the British attacks were fended off as their traditional battle formations were ill-suited for fighting in such a heavily forested area.
the British were working on an alliance with Russia, offering substantial subsidies for diplomatic support. The Duke of Newcastle's main concern on the continent, though, was the possibility of the French invading Hanover or the Netherlands. Austria was refusing to give promises of help, so he was open to discussions with Frederick. And so, on the 16th of January, 1756, Prussia and Britain together signed the Convention of Westminster. It was a defensive alliance with the intention of deterring a French attack on Hanover or a Russian attack on Prussia. Neither side of the agreement expected it to have the consequences that it did. And with hindsight, it was a hasty and ill-judged move. King George II considered it just another convention to safeguard his electorate, and the Duke of Newcastle was blind to the depth of hostility between Austria and Prussia. Frederick did not take the trouble to consult his French allies and find out what their reaction would be. When the news reached Versailles, Louis XV and his court were enraged. In their view, Frederick had showed bad faith by abandoning them just as war was breaking out with Britain overseas. Louis' council decided angrily not to renew their alliance with Prussia, which was due to expire in the spring. Louis XV decided to punish Frederick publicly and quickly came to terms with Austria. On the 1st of May 1756, France and Austria signed a defensive alliance known as the First Treaty of Versailles. Maria Theresa and Louis XV promised each other 24,000 men in case of attack. The Anglo-French colonial conflict was specifically excluded in the treaty, but Maria Theresa pledged to help Louis if an ally of Britain attacked French territory. The Franco-Austrian alliance marks what historians refer to as a diplomatic revolution, stressing its significance of overturning more than two centuries of rivalry between the Habsburgs and the French. In April, the French Navy launched the first attack in Europe with an invasion of the British-held island of Menorca in the western Mediterranean. In response, the British formally declared war on France on the 17th of May, 1756. Together with Gibraltar, Britain had captured Menorca from Spain during the War of Spanish Succession and found them to be useful outposts in the Mediterranean Sea. The French opened fire on the island's capital, Port Mahon, the same day that British reinforcements set off from Gibraltar, commanded by Admiral John Bing. A naval battle occurred on the 20th of May, the two sides evenly matched in number. Five of the British ships were badly damaged and the French pulled away and blockaded Port Mahon. Bing felt that the reinforcements he had on board were not sufficient to lift the siege, so he returned to Gibraltar, which forced the British garrison to surrender a week later. Admiral Bing was later controversially court-martialed, convicted of not doing his utmost and was shot. Though a harsh punishment, it was a firm message to British naval personnel of what was expected of them. His execution is referred to famously in Voltaire's novel Candide, with the line, quote, In this country it is thought wise to kill an admiral from time to time to encourage the others. End quote. 
in French pour encourager les autres, as reference to the method of making an example of one individual to intimidate others. Meanwhile, the Anglo-Prussian alliance had gone down badly as well in Russia. The Russians were angry at the British for allying with an enemy who they planned to invade. They mobilised an army of 30,000 which massed in the Baltic provinces and worked with Austria to plan a joint war against Prussia, possibly with French and Swedish help. Frederick suddenly realised the danger he was in from a multi-pronged attack. His enemies were already deciding how they would divide up his realm, Silesia to Austria, Pomerania to Sweden, Magdeburg and perhaps more to Saxony, and East Prussia either to Poland or Russia. Frederick's diplomatic efforts had rebounded on him terribly and led to a nightmare scenario. With a joint attack expected against him in 1757, he decided to preempt the conflict. He chose to attack Saxony as his borders were close to his capital, Berlin, and he hoped that a rapid victory might break up the coalition against him, even possibly to knock Austria out of the war before the Russians attacked. In August 1756, he invaded Saxony and quickly overran the entire electorate. Almost the first thing he did was to ransack the archive in the capital, Dresden, in order to find incriminating documents to justify his preemptive attack. These were publicised widely, together with Frederick's claim that, quote, whoever anticipates a secretly planned attack is perhaps engaged in hostilities, but is not the aggressor, end quote. Although a military success, the invasion failed to have the intended effect of frightening off his enemies. In fact, it made things worse in some ways, by pushing Louis XV solidly behind Maria Theresa, particularly as the French king's son was married to a Saxon princess. Louis and his court were outraged at Prussia's latest act of aggression. Nevertheless, there is fairly unanimous agreement among historians, according to Michael Hochlinger in his book Austria's War of Emergence, that Frederick's invasion of Saxony preempted an Austro-Russian offensive plan the next year, and so there is justification for its action. Dennett Mackay, in his book The Rise of the Great Powers, even argues the invasion of Saxony was a gamble that Frederick had to take if his kingdom was to survive intact, given the multiple forces rallied against him. Frederick described his predicament in a letter to his sister, I am in the position of a traveller who sees himself surrounded by a bunch of rogues who are planning to murder him and divide up the spoils among themselves. Without doubt, Frederick made a number of strategic mistakes leading up to the war, but given the situation in August 1756, it's easy to argue that attack was then the best form of defence. Today's music is the Symphony Number no. 49 of Joseph Haydn, who lived from March 1732 to May 1809. Written in 1768, the piece is popularly known as The Passion and is typical of Haydn in this period, with scoring for two oboes, bassoon, two horns, and strings. I'll play a little bit more of it 
and I hope you can join me again next week for the continuing story of the Seven Years' War. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.